Are you ready to rewind? Take a nostalgia-filled ride back to a simpler time. It's Acid Wash Memories, a retro pop culture celebration. And now your hosts, Joe Morata and Michael Quinn. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 41 of Acid Wash Memories, a retro pop culture celebration. Today, we are talking all about the history of pay per view. I am Joe Morata, joined by, as always, Michael Quinn. Hello there, Michael. Hiya. Hiya. Hi. Folks, thank you so much for de-scrambling some of your time to listen to Mm -hmm. uh, Acid Wash Memories today. Yes. Uh, If this is your first time here, we are a retro pop culture celebration, and each week is something completely different from the world of retro. Retro pop culture. Glad to have you aboard here. And of course, if you're a returning listener, thank you very much. Returning champion. Returning champion. One way or another, though, why don't you go over to uh, Twitter or X, whatever you call it these days, at AWM Podcast and follow us there. And you can also join our Facebook group, As to Wash Memories on Facebook. It's a very fun group where a bunch of fun people talk about fun things, right, Michael? They love it over there. It's fun. They, they just love talking about the old crap. Yeah, old crap is old, what we talk about. We, we call it home crap home. <laughs> ah, home crap home. That's right. Good thing this show is free or else it'd be a real money pit. But in all seriousness, if you're still listening, thank you. Uh, and if you don't like this episode and this is your first time, hey, there's 40 other episodes available where, Quinn? In the archives. In the archives. So check those out. All right. All the particulars are out of the way. Home crap home. Here we are. We're in home crap home. (laughs) So we're talking about pay-per-view television, uh, which obviously I'm sure all of you that are listening are familiar with, at least somewhat familiar with. It came to prominence really earnestly in the mid to late 80s and especially blew up in the 90s. We hope you've enjoyed this Viewer's Choice special event. Here's a look at what else you can see on Viewer's Choice. It's typically known now and then for high-profile boxing events, mm-hmm. uh, mixed martial arts, wrestling events, uh, maybe a concert, and then in the lower tier, like the cheaper tier, like movies, like movies, the Money Pit. Yeah, so it, it was renting a movie at home, like it was like on demand before on demand, and it actually became on demand. But like, it, did. it was like that, right? It's like you know how you can just on a box now just hit a button and yeah. a movie come gets zapped to your TV. <laughs> yeah, it just zaps right through the airwaves. Yeah. Right, is how they do it. Yeah, punch the button, Greg. Although it is now commingled with all the streaming button pushing things like Hulu and Netflix and Amazon and every other service that there are, you know, non cable related things. In many ways, this pay per view system did pave the way, Quinn, for a lot of the methods. Uh, that we experience, you know, media with to this day, don't you think? Yeah, paid on-demand media. Exactly. Yeah, I, I think it's like a pioneer in that respect. Paid on-demand media, that's a good way to right. put it. Uh, so I guess to start here, Quinn, what is paying for something? You give money for a service, and hopefully they give it to you, <laughs> and or else it's thievery. Yeah, thievery. It's theft. A money pit, if it's you will. It's a money pit, yeah. And you can pay for various things, a candy bar, a car. Clothes. Right, yeah, sure. Uh, what about a wrestling event? Yes. You can pay for that, too. You can. See? On pay-per-view. Yes, on pay-per-view. WrestleMania is coming at you live this Sunday with a double main event exclusively on pay-per-view. Now, obviously, folks, paying for some type of experience is clearly not new. You know, you had your operas and concerts. I mean, you think Mozart was free? Yeah. <laughs> Paying for entertainment is not new. No, exactly. Entertainment coming at a price has been going on for hundreds and hundreds of years. But in television, this is where, to me, why this is so different for some reason, right? Yes. It's because of how television was established. Kind of like how radio was established. It's 
it's free. They just give it to you. <laughs> exactly, Quinn. Because, you know, there was the cinema, uh-huh. you know, the silver screen. But down that, even from the beginning, you paid for a ticket. Correct. More like the opera or a mm-hmm. theater or something. Broadway right? plays right. with Mark Teixeira. Movies were treated like, you know, the theater. Exactly, they were. They, eventually, they were called the theater. But yeah, like, it's true. You know? And there was also the Nickelodeon, and I don't mean the, the cable channel. I mean, like, the thing that you would put a nickel into, and you'd watch a little peep show or something, right. you know, a little saucy like that, it right? It was usually it was in the days before, like, even talkies. Like, it was hard to even have a, a long movie, so somebody <laughs> got the bright idea. What if we just have, like, a short thing <laughs> yeah. that's, like, three minutes, and it costs a nickel? A nickel! Three minutes is probably all you need for that yeah. type of thing, if you know yeah. what I'm saying there. Oh, come on! Anyway, as Quinn was saying, in the 1950s, an alternative to the Broadway, to the stage, to the theater began to emerge, really pick up steam, and of course that was over-the-air television. Right. You can tune in this wonderful new Westinghouse television set with just one hand like this because it has the sensational new Westinghouse single-dial control. Free, right, Quinn? Absolutely free, yeah. All you had to do was buy one big box one time. And watch a lot of ads. And watch a lot of commercials for yeah. soap and for <laughs> corn cigarettes. Flakes. Yeah, <laughs> cigarettes, definitely. In a repeated national survey, doctors in all branches of medicine, doctors in all parts of the country were asked, what cigarette do you smoke, doctor? Once again, the brand named most was Camel. And you could enjoy a whole six or 11 channels or something like that from the comfort of your very own home on a tiny screen. Now, you have to think, though, this was... This is a big deal if you think about it, right? Because oh, yeah, it is. Honestly, for a lot of people, this was like bringing the movie theater into your house. And that was thought to, you know, you would need a whole, a whole bunch of equipment to do that right. prior, right? But all, you all need- they had was the radio. Yeah, and this really was an expansion. Obviously, you guys know this, but it was an expansion upon the concept of radio. It was over the air, but now you had a picture. With video. With video to go How along do with they, it. What do they think of next is <laughs> what these people were saying, <laughs> Exactly. Right? And if you want more information on uh, TV and cable TV, we did do an episode, which is available in the archives called The uh, History of Cable TV. Right. So you can check that one out, folks, if you want more. It's kind of like a a companion episode to Mm -hmm. that. And over-the-air television was very much the norm for quite some time, a generation, if you will, until the advent of cable TV. Yes, which which we talked about. But essentially, it's you pay a subscription and you get a bunch of channels, right? Yes, and this is done, very short version here. It's done by having a very large antenna that runs a cable to neighborhoods or towns or cities, et cetera, et cetera. And that way, you're watching it via a cable hookup to your television. No reception to worry about. Right. You're not getting the signal over the air. Let the company handle that. Yeah. We've invested almost $300 million in the Valley to give you the best cable television picture possible. And that's the very short version, again, more available in our archives. So in the midst of all of this, television, cable television, all these things, there had been something known as closed circuit television. You've probably heard of this, right? I know you have, Quinn, of course. This is basically, in layman's terms, like cable, but not available to just anybody. What they mean by closed. closed, yeah, what they mean by closed, it's like you're tuned into like a network that you had to get access to, yes. essentially, a network of cable TV. A network of cable like TV. Like a special, like, and it's usually just for like an instance, right? Like just for like a boxing event or yeah. something, right? a event, right? Right, yeah. Sunday afternoon, March 31st, 1 p.m. on closed circuit TV. 
Now, an early iteration of the concept of closed-circuit television was uh, installed in the Kremlin in 1927, believe it or not. It was... What the hell were they doing with that? <laughs> Stalin was involved with yeah, this. Don't they want to get their propaganda out? Why are they closing the circuit? <laughs> they were just testing shit out, but this is mechanical. It used a manual scanner, transmitter, and receiver with a whopping 100-line resolution. Wow. Now, that's Soviet tech. Yeah, that, that's Soviet tech, man. Uh, in the United States, however, in the 1940s, so we're talking about around World War II, there was a system known as Vericon, and I'm going to read you a quote from Popular Science Magazine. I'm sure you've all read this. What year is this? February of 49, Michael. Okay. I have, I think I have that issue. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, post your uh, Popular Science collection on our Facebook group. Uh, this says, they, Vericon, were designed to keep an eye on dangerous industrial processes, or bring a close-up of demonstrations and surgical operations to large groups of students. Right. So here's the other use for closed circuit, right? Security video, right? Because unlike TV where you want it to get everywhere, security video, you kind of don't want to share that with yeah. everyone. But like there wasn't a means to record it either. You're 100% so, right. So the best other solution is what if we make essentially a private television network where only maybe one or two TVs can, you know, at the security desk and see what's going on. And then right? you monitor it in shifts. Right, yeah. And that's the way they did it. There was no way to record it. Later on, they would record Eventually, it. Eventually, yeah. yeah. And then as tapes became less and less expensive as the 50s turned into the 60s, you know, et cetera. But closed circuit was definitely used for security systems, yeah. right? It was, it, it was a viable use for it. As early as the 40s. And then another application emerged using closed-circuit television technology in the 40s, which was distributing events to large groups of people one time, like you said, a event, right? And what they would do is they would transmit it via closed-circuit to movie theaters mm -hmm. or a building of some kind, and they would sell tickets to that event. So now you've got the theater in on the closed circuit tech. Right. But again, it, it, there's no recording or anything. No. It, it, it falls right in line with that video monitoring stuff. Yeah. Right? It's like, what if we just put um, a better camera, <laughs> right. like a television camera, and then and, and filmed a thing, but only certain places have access to it. Transmitted only the places that have access and to watch it, the place where you're going to watch it charges admission. Right. And that's the way they did that. The first, this might surprise some people. The first boxing event on closed circuit television was Joe Walcott, Jersey Joe Walcott versus Joe Lewis in 1948. Here is the champion in all his fighting fury. He goes after the challenger and Walcott suddenly no longer can dance away. No longer can do his frustrating two-step while waiting to throw his dangerous right. Wow, that early, huh? That early, I think yeah. it was. I would think it was like the mid-50s or something, just by guessing, right? It was, yeah, no, it was 1948. Boxing, obviously, was a biggie for closed-circuit. Muhammad Ali, uh, he would be a big draw for closed-circuit fights, you know, right. fights. How many fights will you see that night? <laughs> In the 60s and 70s, and, and all of these fights, and m many others, but just some notable ones for you boxing aficionados out there. Muhammad Ali or Cassius Clay versus Sonny Liston, February 64, where he won the title. That was close, close circuit. circuit. Cassius Clay celebrates his victory, goes into the record book with Corbett, Tunney, and Braddock as another who brought off one of the great upsets in the heavyweight history. Now, again, folks, we're not talking about you're watching this in your house. You're going to a venue where they're showing it. it the idea is basically like we can't, you know, if something's extremely like a hot ticket, like Muhammad Ali versus Sonny Liston, right? That is a huge 
ticket, they're going to sell out the garden, and then there's no other way to visually see it. You, right. Like, there's only radio. Yes. So the idea was, well, we can sell extra tickets if we, like, license out the... You know the the rights essentially to like movie theaters and shit, right? That's exactly what they did, and it was very successful. Uh, Ali versus Floyd Patterson, uh, November sixty five, another one, probably the most notables. Ali versus Joe Frazier, the fight of the century, March seventy one in Madison Square Garden. They win the unanimous decision and champion of the world, Joe Frazier. Joe Frazier. This is why this is a big deal. This generated, in 1971, $20 million in revenue on closed circuit alone. Jeez. It's insane. Yeah, so early on, it's clear they could see the the potential here, right? I yeah. mean, we just made $20 million bucks in 1970 money. Yeah. Right? Isn't it's that like, crazy? It's stupid. <laughs> it's it all, all because all we did was just, like, extend the, like, availability of this rare thing that the ticket costs a lot in those days. Yeah, right? and MSG, the venue where that fight was held, holds 20000 on a good day. Yeah, and they're probably like, well, we could sell millions of tickets if, if we just had the space. Exactly, right? and that's what they did. And this gives them the space, This gives them the space. Now, professional wrestling got into uh, closed circuit as early as 1971 out in Los Angeles where the Golden Greek John Tolos, he Ugh. took on <laughs> Don Carson, uh, and this event... Although it was held in Los Angeles, was broadcast to uh, other surrounding areas via closed circuit. It is known as the first in the United States. I don't know about worldwide, but the first mm. professional wrestling closed circuit broadcast in the U.S. And that's 1971. They clearly recognized from the boxing thing is that anything that's in an arena, we could do this, right? People are conditioned now. They understand that when you're going to a closed circuit event, it's usually to see some big event, right? Yes. Some big thing that maybe you don't live in the area or you couldn't get a ticket to yep. be in the place. That's right? exactly what it's for. Right. You know, we always talk about how when different technologies come about and different concepts, it's always interesting to take a peek at the early history. But this seems like with the boxing specifically, and wrestling yeah. kind of piggybacked on that, they kind of knew what they were doing from day one on this. But what's interesting to me is that a lot of them very quickly went this route rather than broadcast it on television. Like, for example, it's weird if you think about it that the NFL didn't say, why don't we go close circuit rather than be on NBC or whatever? That's a good point. I guess that would probably alienate their fan base well, who was used well, to watching it on over These the are the air. early days, so there's no f anybody to alienate. More access is more access to True. them when you have no access, True. right? So so if, if, I, if I become accustomed to watching football in a movie theater every Sunday, then that's... <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, if the, if we went that route, yeah. you know what I'm saying? They probably looked at it like television was the burgeoning medium, and Close Circuit was always under the radar compared to that. Right, but and it generated a lot of revenue. True. Because imagine those football games would draw a lot more money. Well, they would, but what's the biggest major convenience of watching something on television? You don't have to leave your house. Boom. Yeah. There you go, and I think they capitalized on that. Uh, in 1976, for the record here, the boxing and wrestling end of things merge, and this is kind of interesting. I don't know if any of you have ever watched wrestling. I never have, but... But in 1976, the Worldwide Wrestling Federation held their second Who show. Were they? <laughs> Never heard of them. Well, there was this guy named Toots Mon. Oh, okay. Uh, and they held their second of three showdown at Shea cards, which is obviously at Shea Stadium. But they brought in all the way from Japan and showed it to Shea Stadium via closed circuit, Muhammad Ali versus Antonio Inoki, which was going on in Japan, and they beamed it to Shea. That's interesting. On that night in 1976. Ali, unsure of what to do, 
simply jumped away from Inoki while shouting insults, trying to incense him into standing up and using his wrestling. It's crap! And at this point, while we're in the mid-70s, let's take... Let's just take an inventory of some of the convergence going on, Quinn. We've got this closed circuit technology, which, like you said, is broadcasting these money-making hot tickets to interested groups of people, right? right. They have a, a, a specific audience that's interested in it, and they're willing to pay for it. Right. At the same time, you've got more and more folks by the 60s and 70s getting television in the home. And by the late 70s, cable television was making it possible to watch events that weren't strictly over the air and limited to your normal broadcasting area. Right. See, here's the interesting thing, right? There's also another component to this. What is that, Michael? The emergence of the circuit board and the computer. And the reason I'm saying this is because this is what allows them to expand closed circuit access, the the, the box, as you will. You're right. You know, like, and and being able to put that out cheaply is probably very important to expanding into something that isn't just at fucking movie theaters. That's that a great we ran point. a cable to, like a special cable, right? <laughs> you know, that's a really good point. On the technology side of things, circuit boards, microchip, all these things were developing around this time, right. right? The 70s is like, for circuit boards, it's like, you know, and processors and all that stuff. It, this That is the, the point at which they start to explode. It's based off moon tech, whatever. Who's involved in that? Is Bell Labs involved in that? or Well, if you want to go back to the 40s when they invented the transistor, yes. But, right. But, but were they working on this? The transistor work was well, well, well since before. Finished. Yeah, no, I like, know that. But really, they had to build an integrated circuit computer and not one that ran on tape and non, you know, <laughs> well, that yeah. wasn't the size of a fucking room <laughs> to put it on the Apollo so they could basically, so that they could make the calculation so that they wouldn't like crash into the surface <laughs> of the moon and they could land on it. Imagine the moon being that big and you crash into it. Yeah, what a dope. <laughs> Good thing they had this computer, right? So they, they built a, you know, a computer based on right. an integrated circuit, which is. And then that technology, like a lot of that stuff yes. is what all those computers from the 70s were. They were just like takeoffs of that. That's Didn't really point. advance super far, but the fact that they could put it in people's homes was like crazy. The microcomputer. Well, I would say not crashing into the moon was an important element of that, right? It was definitely an important usage of um, this thing that, you know, they figured out how to do. It's good that uh, they did that. And, you know, once you're done landing on the moon... You've got better things to do, like watch wrestling matches with it. Well, right? of course, and, you, you know, want to watch your Muhammad Ali Antonio right? Inoki yeah. match. Yeah, well, we already did the moon. Let's, <laughs> let's take care of boxing. Boxing versus wrestling? Come on yeah. now. Where do I sign up? How about 1-800-KISS-MY-ASS? Does that work for you? Huh? Is that cool? But anyway, it would seem that this is where the confluence took place to combine closed-circuit TV with the cable aspect. However, as there's always a, a rich, hidden history in these things, there were early attempts at pay-per-view prior to cable TV even becoming widespread. We're going to roll it back to 1951, where Zenith, you know, the television company, mm. you guys heard of that? They de- What is Zenith? They were. <laughs> what, is, what is Zenith? They developed a pay television service known as Phone Vision uh. in the late 40s and unveiled it in 1951, test marketed in Chi-Town, the they're, Windy City. They're figuring it out, Joe. In 1951, yeah, like I Love Lucy is new when they're doing. Oh, they're this already shit. trying to skim off the top here with this TV thing. It's like, what if we could charge people for stuff, right? Are they a zenith? Yeah, what a zenith. <laughs> oh, what a zenith. They used this initially as a movie viewer. Yes, a movie pay service in 1951. So how did this work? Well, you would purchase a descrambler unit, which plugged in to your TV antenna leads that came in from your TV antenna, and into your telephone line. 
And what you would do is you would call an operator. That operator would add you to the queue, to the line of people on this service. And then they would send a signal from a pulse from your phone line to the box and would tell it to descramble the signal. Probably open a circuit. Open or, a circuit, yeah, I'm sure. something like that. Or it was just completely manual. I don't know how yeah. it would be. What, what does a pulse tone do? Is it something, in, I, I don't know all the technical details, but there's definitely a pulse tone can do something internally, There's probably a right? transistor in it, and there it probably when it receives the tone, Boom. it opens the circuit. See, thank you. Probably all it is. <laughs> That's 100% got to be what it is, right? Yeah. It's the only thing that makes sense. Which also probably means if you were an electrical engineer, you could probably open the damn thing up and just figure out how to get around that. I'm sure you could. Yeah. And then at the end of the month, the viewer will get the charge for that movie on their phone bill. And it only cost, this might sound like, oh, there's going to be a lot of money today. It's not really. It was $1 per movie back then. Mm-hmm. That's only about $11 today. That's not that bad if you really think about it. But you have to remember, people are not used to paying for TV. Like, well, I remember yeah. this in my house in the late 80s and early 90s that it was a ridiculous concept that we were paying for television. I like, hope your dad's listening to this yeah, one. <laughs> no, I, I remember, like, we, we had cable, but hey, why is there commercials on it and all this? It's like we're paying for it. Pay TV and cable TV companies are seeking the right to charge you for the very programs you now get free. Now, these tests and the Zenith tests, as we'll call them here on this show, that's what we call them, right? The Zenith tests. The Zenith tests. Yes. We always use that term. Yeah, it's a common term. These lasted three months and it kind of faded away. Largely due in part to the the FCC denying a permit Hmm. to do the technology. I don't know if that was because of the -the over-the-air thing and they didn't want this creeping into their... I don't know. Or they didn't think about their delivery method and it was somehow dangerous. Well, that's a good point, Yeah, who the fuck knows? You know what? Really? Coming in through a phone line, a 1951 phone line, that could have been laid, that cable, 20 years prior. You know? I don't know what happened. I'm I'm just just speculating. I don't really know if that's the reason. I know. It's either that or somebody didn't grease somebody's palms. Well, usually it has to do with greasy palms, right? Yeah, Yeah. Folks, if you take away anything from this episode, here's your notes. Usually someone gets their palm greased. Don't crash into the moon. Those two things. We could stop now if we wanted to. We could. We've educated you You know, enough. you're making me think, though. Yes, Michael. There's no way in the 50s that the mob wasn't involved in this somehow. What's right? that? In the, yeah. What, Mob uh, yeah. Bell? Yeah. Mob. Mob Bell, yes. Mob Bell, yes. you mean, right? Yeah. yeah. No, I'm sure Mob Bell was involved. Yeah. That's what yeah, you're talking sure, about, sure. right? Yeah, sure, Yeah. Well, are you trying to say that there was some nefarious uh, communications going on? Well, we're talking about boxing here. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a legitimate <laughs> sport. <laughs> possibly something that involves betting. You think Frank Sinatra had something to do with all this? Maybe indirectly. He knew somebody yeah, that yeah. did, right? Is that what you're yeah. trying to say? <laughs> well, you, you might be right. Uh, but now this was over the air we're talking about. We're over the phone, I guess, right? A combination of the two. Mm-hmm. But as far as using the cable uh, technology, which was already starting to become commonplace in the 70s, there was something known as Channel 100. That's the name of the system. And that began in 1972 by... Didn't two- even know the dial could go that high in the 50s. It sounds so futuristic, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, It was operated by two guys, Jeff Nathanson and Alan Greenstadt. You've heard of them. Yeah, them. To use this system, the home user would insert a plastic punch card into their set-top box, and that punch card that they have purchased would descramble the signal accordingly. More reasonable, right? crude, but... (laughs) It's perfectly, it makes sense. Much like our show, crude but makes sense, right? Right, yeah. Shut up! Thank you. Uh, A similar system, also in 72, began known as Theater Vision, same operating principle. And both of these systems, Channel 100 and Theater Vision, went under very quickly due to the rise of flat rate premium cable companies such as 1972's 
Home Box Office. Oh, them. Remember we, them? We do know them from another episode. We do. You can check it out. In the I heard of them before. <laughs> yes. So they launched in earnest in 1972 after some other stuff that they had been doing. Really, there's so much on the bone with HBO. It I mean, was, just just that that intro video where they go through a, a it's classic man. a little city and little neighborhood. And, yeah, right and like home. epic music, like for like just music. like a movie, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, for like some used cars or some, yeah, yeah. some other movie from 1980. <laughs> this was a, this was a big deal because it was a flat rate monthly premium channel mm-hmm. is what it became, right? And it would be uplinked via satellite. And then delivered to homes via See, cable. See, we're getting warmer to pay-per-view because, exactly. again, this is a subscription. It's not an instance, but it, the idea is there that you're paying like an extra cost. You're paying, yeah, and premium is a marketing term. You know, premium is a marketing tactic. Yeah, but I mean, to the, the, the common man, all it means is like it's an add-on. It, it's extra, right? That's a good point, yeah. And it was, obviously, it, it's slow to pick up steam, but you might have heard of HBO. It is still around. To this yeah. day, although it does frequently change the name of its app or something like that, right? Isn't that a point of contention it, with a lot of people? It's now Max, but even if you go on the Max app, there's like just an entire section just called HBO because they knew they, they knew. knew they need they knew they weren't get like what are you, you're gonna erase HBO? Get out of here! Like, <laughs> like get out! Like it's come been, on! It's been like 50 years. It's an institution around like, here. Like technically, you know? HBO still has its like own shows and stuff that is like this is HBO. This yeah. isn't Max. Right, right. It's not Max. It's part of Max, but it's not. It's different. It'll never feel right not calling yeah. it HBO. Uh, so HBO obviously was was useful for certain things, such as movies primarily, but other events as well. But park that, because meanwhile, Closed Circuit was thriving uh, in the 70s with Muhammad Ali and others. Uh, Ali Foreman in 1974, that was the Rumble in the Jungle, right. which they made a fantastic documentary about called When We Were Kings. That is a good one. It's really good if you've Definitely never seen good. it, folks. Uh, but as far as this paying per a view of something aspect, HBO boxing was hugely successful with the Muhammad Ali fight. And this would be Ali Frazier 3, the Thrilla in Manila. Okay, now this is starting to resemble what we're talking about here, right? right? Where it's like, no, you don't have to go to the movie theater and pay them. No, no, no. You pay your cable company, and yep. then they give it to you. Exactly, and that's clearly what it was there. And this really proved to be an impetus of sorts for the true growth of pay-per-view television, because a half a million people bought this event. Yes. On HBO. You wanted to see it. Half a million. fight. In how many fights? In seventy-five, though, you know, half a million. We we know a little bit, a tiny bit about wrestling. Mm-hmm. Half a million buys for a WWF pay per view. That's a good. It's a really good one. Yeah, that's Espe- that's a solid one, especially for the era that we've been covering, where it's like yeah. this did one twenty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Some, if it gets two hundred, it's like very special. <laughs> right. Like, uh, by the way, folks, if, if this is a legitimate thing, some of you may, may not know because you found us only through this show, but we have done a a wrestling podcast for like seven years for a long time it's yeah. called our vantage point retro wrestling podcast and you can check it out if you like wrestling and if you don't just don't just don't even listen to it <laughs> just, just don't worry about it but you can obviously see where we've we've come to the point where television's well established by the late 70s right cable is becoming established the idea of paying for an experience or a big event closed circuit had already been doing for 20 plus years at this point mm-hmm. so it would only make sense that you would take all of these factors all of these principles and philosophies and button them up into some kind of easily presentable to the consumer service so you could sell things that's yeah. <laughs> so you can make and money I can imagine like this was like the final frontier if you think about it for for closed circuit because 
it is kind of an inconvenience that I'm going to a place to watch right. something on TV. Right. Like, what? It's weird. Like, it's one thing if it's a movie. Yes. You know, on film and stuff. But <laughs> I'm just going to a theater to watch television? Like, what is this? It was a weird concept. And yeah. uh, I think that HBO maybe is never heralded as one of the pioneers. I don't even know if pioneers are the right word, but there's certainly an influence, maybe an unintended one, mm-hmm. on what happened in the 1980s as far as pay-per-view. And guess what? We are going to talk about that on the other side of this break. We've made it up to a roughly, let's say, the early 80s now, okay? Mm-hmm. We know where we stand, but there's so much more as far as pay-per-view, and you guys are going to be there for the ride. So enjoy a break right now, but on the other side of this, it'll be more on the history of pay-per-view when more Acid Wash Memories returns. Does she walk? Does she talk? Television should be more than an electronic tranquilizer. At its best as an art form, television should move you. The art of television. Experience it at its best on the one television that is itself a work of art. The Emmy Award winning Sony Trinitron. Sony, the one and only. Showtime, America's most entertaining pay TV network, presents your favorite blockbuster movies and more. Showtime makes TV special with the glitter of Hollywood, the glamour of Broadway. See dazzling Las Vegas nightclub acts and comedy that's outrageous. We've got the music and the magic, all uncensored, uncut, and commercial free. Call your local cable operator now and order Showtime, television worth paying for. You're watching Sneak Previews on Cablevision. Some folks are content with average run-of-the-mill hamburgers. Others want a better deal. Some folks are into frozen food. Others prefer fresh. Some folks will settle for assembly line hamburgers. Others prefer them tailor-made, hot and juicy, right off the grill. These could be anybody's hamburgers. This one could be yours. That's fresh. That's class. That's Wendy's. And cut. Very good, everyone. There's only one problem. It's pronounced fresh. And now we return to more acid-washed memories. Hey, welcome back to Acid Wash Memories. Thanks for being with us here, Joe Murata and Michael Quinn. Hi, that's me. That is you. We're talking about the pay-per-view, folks. Uh, By the way, I want to mention, this was uh, an idea put out there on our Facebook group by AJ Freeman, who's a fan of the show. Thank you, AJ. Yes. It's a good one. Forgot to mention that at the top, so I apologize, AJ, but good idea. You know, the, the funny thing is we have a... A spreadsheet of ideas. It's like 50, 60 something topics. So oftentimes on the group, which you should join if you haven't yet, people will say, oh, I would love to hear an episode about this. And I always respond already on the list, already on the list. And this one wasn't there. This one wasn't there. And I thought it was a good one. And we wanted to to do something completely different from last week, which was Super Mario World. Well, that's what we usually aim. That's our, that's our, that is something completely different. Do a little mix, Michael. That is the the actual like manifesto of this show, I guess you'd say. Yeah, we had to sign a notarized paper about it and everything. There's a whole thing at the beginning. Yeah. Contracts in Ogden and all this. Ogden, Utah. Yeah. 
pain in the ass. Anyway, uh, guys, please uh, follow us on Twitter at AWM Podcast. If you don't, hey, leave a review. The nice little lady that you hear at the, the beginning of the show and that you just heard after the break, she's going to come on at the end and remind you one more time. Her name is yeah. Alyssa Marino. She's wonderful. She wants you to leave a review for our show. Yeah. So do that on your podcast. Go app. tell her you left a review. <laughs> yeah, tell Alyssa. Yeah. Uh, that'd be wonderful. All right, but we're talking about pay-per-view, Michael. And we left off in the early 80s, right? We yes. were talking about how HBO has been a bit of a proving ground. Yeah. Probably not on purpose. Or HBO in Europe. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, you I know. I just, just need to clarify for our European listeners. You know what? By the way, we should mention, I'm speaking about United States and maybe Canada. I don't know what you guys have up there in Mooseland, but... Uh, I don't know about England and the UK and Australia. It's I my understanding is just like BBC one through eight or something. And is there it. BBC premium? Yeah, th- th- that came later. Like Sky internet. and all this other crap. Yeah, there's but, Sky movies. Yeah, Sky I don't even know if they, when they got HBO. I mean, I'm pretty sure they have it now. But. Probably like 2008. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I hope not. We love you guys in England. Yeah. We really do. You're just jealous that you don't have the old mooshy peas over on your side of the pond, mate. Okay. So in 1985... The following companies launched. One of these will sound really familiar, but the first one was Cable Video Store, which lasted until 1997. Cable Video Store was a pay-per-view channel. Cable Video Store. Rent a bargain the whole family can enjoy for the price of one. I want to say one thing about that name. Very relevant in 1985, specifically because people were accustomed to this whole video rental stuff. Yeah. And somebody came along, probably clearly, that's a great idea. It's just say, well, let's. how do we convey this to the customer? It's just like going to the store, but you don't have to. It's it's through cable. I think that's a great name. Yeah, it's, a, it? it's actually a good name. Cable video store. Yeah, a, a lot really of these names, name. you hear them and you're like, they're so stupid or, <laughs> or lame or whatever. But cable video store, it's like, it's just basic and yeah. to the damn point. It was really cool. And basically, they would be showing movies all day and you could just order one if you wanted to. Right. Pay your two ninety five, whatever it was. I don't know yeah. off the top of my head. And that was that. Uh, there was also Request TV. Maybe some of you have heard of that one. That was mm-hmm. a more popular one. For nearly a century, America's been in love with the movies. Now there's a new, more convenient way to watch Hollywood's biggest hits. Introducing Request TV. Same concept, and they lasted until 1998. And then, if you recall, Quinn, in our SNCC episode, yes, Nickelodeon, we talked about an early pioneer in pay-per-view known as the QB or Cube system, Q-U-B-E. Yeah, you, you very in transit mentioned them, right? Yes. Like, just they were kind of on the side of the QB. Yes. Television has sometimes been criticized as a passive medium, one that doesn't let the people at home respond or participate. But a cable television system is being tested in Columbus, Ohio, that gives viewers a lot more to do than lie back in an easy chair and nibble cookies. That was, folks, for those of you that didn't hear that episode, a late 70s attempt at having a pay-per-view channel. And one of its channels was known as Pinwheel, which became Nickelodeon. But another component of that cube or QB system was a channel known as Viewer's Choice. Aha. You choose what you want to watch and only pay for what you order. Only a phone call away, ordering is easy. First, choose your selection from the pay-per-view schedule. Next, order automatically using your home phone. Then at the scheduled time, tune into the proper channel and enjoy the show. No lines, no text returns, and no late fees. It's convenient. It's so easy. It's pay-per-view. If you lived back then... These guys were every. They were on everybody's cable system. Viewers Choice. Viewers Choice. Uh, you know, with the little check mark or whatever. Yes, with a check mark. Let me just check my my notes on this complicated definition. 
viewer's choice meant that you could choose right. <laughs> what you wanted to it's order. It's your choice what you watch You're, today. You, the viewer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I also want to mention before I forget here, viewer's choice had some incredible theme music. It and did. I think we should just take a listen to it. Uh, so QB itself was discontinued in 1985. Sounds like this viewer's choice like took over because... The, yes. I mean, viewer's choice was... Good Lord, it was like around forever. Uh, would you say it was ubiquitous? Yeah, it was like on... Like, it didn't matter if your friend had a different cable company. They were on there. They were on, like, all the systems by then. Right, yeah. yeah. And in November of 1985, Viewer's Choice launched as its own standalone pay-per-view channel. Uh, for those of you that have maybe vaguely find the name familiar, it was renamed In Demand on January 1st, 2000. Yeah, It is now known as In Demand. Right. But it's the same thing. It just continued the Is that different from On Demand, or am I just, like, Mandela yes. affecting that? It's, like, where it's all... It's the- In Demand. It's what it's called. On Demand is just a concept. It's not a name of a channel. But I remember my cable company calling it On Demand. Well, that's, they, what did you have, Comcast? Maybe. They called their whole thing. Like, oh, you can get On Demand with your stupid fucking silver cable box, remember? Yeah, and the dumb remote. And it never fucking works. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean. Check out the new hit movies you can order on demand. And look what you can order right now. But anyway, the basic gist of this, like I said, is uh, to get cable in the 80s, especially if some of you guys remember, you know what I'm saying? Uh, you would have to, you'd be renting monthly a set top box from your cable company. Yes, usually it had wood paneling on it, it and, and a big red digital like number yes. of the channel you were on. But you know what I hated about it? What? And, and this, is the, this is the part where I'm like, this is so damn crude, is that you had to call them. You did. I have a thing on top of my TV. Doesn't matter. It, I, <laughs> Doesn't matter. Quinn. I can't like order that way. No, because they weren't two way addressable. Yeah, it's at just. The time. It, it, I just thought that was weird, even as a kid before the other way yeah. came along. Because I was just like, it doesn't even make any sense. It wasn't interactive. You yeah, know what it, I mean, it, but what was strange is like you had an up and down and a you know a volume up and down and a channel up and down. Yeah, but <laughs> and, and you had numbers. You could like bothers you, you so much. I mean, you could have literally punched in your Visa card. The machine had the inputs for yeah, it. Yeah, but is this what I'm is saying. the 80s, man. I understand, but the, still. You could put in your diner's club card, I guess, if you yeah. wanted to. But anyway, yeah. The other thing is, to do this, you just, you could rent the box. or You'd drive all the way to the cable, whatever the local <laughs> office is. It's like always so. like in some like industrial park. Yeah, it's like, never it's, pleasant. It's like where I once had to return the cable box years ago when we moved out of some place. And yes. that was like weird yeah how did i walked was that? into like a dingy like like office like and they just like just drop it off like and you just like put it there and like they put it in a cage of like hundred of hundreds of cable boxes like a kennel yeah, yeah. <laughs> cable boxes I, if you've ever had to return a cable box it's just a weird experience seeing this thing that lives in your home giving it away and like not living with you anymore so i guess we've learned three things today it's like giving away an animal or something like a dog or a cat or something Greasy palms don't crash into the moon and giving away a cable box is weird. Yeah. We hope this has been a very educational episode <laughs> for you fans out there. But anyway, you got to remember the the main thing here about pay-per-view. This is probably what a lot of kids of the late 80s and 90s grew up with is if you're flipping through the channels and you land on a pay-per-view event that you haven't paid for, what does it look like? It's all scrambly. It's all scrambly, man. But there's a very important but here. What is that? 
it's that for whatever reason, you can hear the audio clear as day. Like, that's not scrambled. Do you think that's an oversight or is that on purpose as a barker, like an attraction? To me, I always interpret it as some kind of technical limitation. Why not? Why couldn't they just blank the sound? Because maybe it was like you could only have one or the other. They couldn't scramble both. Imagine if they just muted the sound instead. <laughs> yeah, then then that would be shit. That would, be, that would be like bad for them because people want. I think viewing is more important than hearing. Uh, yeah, but I think both are good, right? Somebody could just turn the closed captioning on. That's probably why, right? <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Right? That's a good point. Yeah. Uh, so I'm sure many of you out there have come across the scrambled television signal and maybe tried to peek through those scramble lines and see something that you shouldn't be seeing there, you eh? Know, I eh? When you see a scrambled picture on this channel, don't worry. We'll be testing the uncensored American triple ecstasy every night at 10 p.m. Eastern. It's so hot. We have to scramble. I want to say even something even dumber. Oh, you've, even better. You've, you've, um, <laughs> to me, this, this, this emphasizes the crudeness of it all. You told me Sometimes they would like forget or something this to is like real. <laughs> to, to scramble it a couple of times. <laughs> like it, 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 but the thing is, you're not alone. I've heard this story from yeah. countless people yeah. that they would just like forget they, sometimes. They just, like some guy was like sleeping on the job or something, which to me says it's literally manual. It has like to that be. there's a guy that flips a switch for like a sector of televisions or something. It has like to that. be right, right? So it's like literally like a manual process of somebody flipping a switch. I would think... Or at least, even if it's computerized, that somebody has to, you know... Still an input of some kind. A yes, user a manual in, input. Interaction, yeah. It was funny, though, just listening. I would listen to these, you know... I listen to plenty wrestling of Wrestling yeah. events, and then once in a blue moon, once or twice a year, you'd get an unscrambled one. And sometimes they would... Someone would catch it 20 minutes in, but there was one that went the whole show. Right, yeah. And it's just so much fun. So we want to hear your scrambled uh, stories. But I think that was definitely like a memory, an acid wash memory of this. Like a like an element to it was the concept of just, it's scrambled and I can hear it. Yeah, and, it, and it is crude. Yeah. You're right about that. There's just some. There was always something like mom and pop about it that I just always thought was fascinating. Yeah, it is, it is a little weird. It's, it's almost like putting up a Venetian blind as a privacy wall. Right, but you can hear everything yeah, that's coming and, through. and you can kind of see through the blinds a little bit. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's weird. Uh, now, we obviously talked a lot about boxing earlier and how successful it was on closed circuit and on pay-per-view. And it still is a huge moneymaker on pay-per-view, you know, relative to mm -hmm. the size of the audience. Uh, but wrestling also got into the act, as we've been referencing. So, drawing upon a closed circuit event known as Starcade 1983 and 84, which were both very successful in their markets, that's Jim Crockett Promotions and the NWA, uh, Vince McMahon's World Wrestling Federation. Oh, yeah, them. Remember them? Yeah. They, they launched uh, an event known as WrestleMania 1. Wow. At, <laughs> now, this was. What uh, happened at that? I'm not sure. The greatest professional wrestling extravaganza of all time, known as. Russell-mania. This is a high-profile event featuring various celebrities of the time, such as Cindy Lauper. Mr. T. Mr. T. Liberace. It was... It was Muhammad a, Ali. A big deal. A big deal. Hulk Hogan from MTV's yeah. uh, Rock and Wrestling Connection. Yeah, have you ever heard of that? Yeah. <laughs> and this was primarily shown and distributed through closed-circuit television, but it was also tested out in limited pay-per-view markets. Yes. So, I mean, this was definitely a big deal. Yeah. Because this, this is probably the first wrestling 
event on pay-per-view, on not, pay-per-view. Close, not closed circuit. Correct. Yeah, so it was mainly on closed circuit, but also a little bit of pay-per-view. And if you believe Vince McMahon, that he could have lost the whole company if this had failed, but yeah. we won't get into that right now. So this uh, WWF, yes, uh, was followed up. The fledgling company. Yeah, fledgling company. They followed this up with their first pay-per-view event proper, known as the Wrestling Classic in November of 1985. Yes. A lovely event. <laughs> Historic event. What a classic. It sucks. And this did, think about this, for 1985, limited pay-per-view, 470,000 buys <laughs> in the U.S. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's because I mean, we were talking about the other, the, the Muhammad Ali fight. Yeah, half 500,000 also. They almost hit it for wrestling. Yeah. Now that wasn't even as popular as boxing. Never. Uh, that was yeah. 10 years earlier, but even so, for WWF, it just shows what their popularity was. So Jim Crockett Promotions, remember the Starcade guy? Hi. They followed suit by putting Starcade on pay-per-view in November of 1987. And uh, Vince McMahon, who was trying to domineer the pay-per-view market. More like commandeer. Commandeer, yeah, yeah. that's a good point. He uh, he countered with his own pay-per-view and kind of gotten a whole tizzy with the pay-per-view companies, and we're not going to get into that. But, but it, are- is a, it is an important note in the history of pay-per-view. Is it is. That there was two rivals trying to, like, knock the other one off pay-per-view. Vince McMahon, uh, he ultimately won that battle Yeah, in terms of that. I will say it's interesting that when it comes to ratings for pay-per-views, it's really about buys. It's about buys. But you can, you can if you're really trying to like be the only wrestling on the pay-per-view, you can do stuff like schedule your pay-per-view near another one so they have to like choose which one they want to purchase and shit mm-hmm. like that. That was a tactic. So- uh, notwithstanding that, our philosophy is to never try to hurt the competition, only to better yourself. In the World Wrestling Federation, we have always abided by that philosophy, except with Jim Crockett. Fuck that guy. So the, uh, the WWF, and we're not really talking about wrestling this episode, folks, but they're a big player in pay-per-view. Their highest mark for a very long time in terms of buys was 1989's WrestleMania V, mm-hmm. featuring Hulk Hogan versus Randy Savage in the payoff of a very long story arc. Beautiful Atlantic City. Beautiful. Uh, second year in a row yeah. at the uh, yeah. Atlantic City Convention Center. Yep. But this did over 750,000 buys. A quarter of a million people wow. bought this event in April of 89. I didn't realize how high that was. That's, very high. That's crazy. That was their highest even higher event. than that bo- famous boxing match. Yeah. They were. This was their highest purchase event for a very long time. And by this point, 1989, heading into the 90s, the WWF, the little wrestling company, oh, that wrestling, they were established as a major pay-per-view player. I, think, I would say they were the king of pay-per-view, specifically pay-per-view. I guess because unless you just want to say boxing, but there's more than one boxing promotion company, you know what I'm but saying? Boxing's like an inconsistency, though. It's like True. you don't know when the next fight is going to no, be, right? How many fights? Like, uh, I know UFC would later um, start, like, a cadence oh, yes. of, like, for, I'm talking about, like, a real sport. Like, yes, like I understand. Real, not theatrics. Not theatrics. Like, UFC would start a cadence where it would be, like, once a month or something yeah. like that. But boxing... You know, it's, Mike Tyson fights did huge. I mean, that goes without saying. Late right. 80s Tyson. But I think that the WWF success also has to do with the fact that they did have a cadence and the pay-per-view companies could rely on them to bring in the bucks, right? Yeah, and it was only uh, for, for most of its run, it was every few months, you know, four times and then five times a year. Yeah, but you, I mean, I'm sure they could see that the WWF wouldn't leave the money on the table and eventually they would move to... You know, they like. I'm sure the pay per view companies were pushing them to. Oh yeah, you know, like oh, can you do this every month? I'm like, sure there was know. a push. Yeah. yeah, and it was a revenue generator. 
Uh, and the WWF, you know, after a cool early and mid-90s in terms of buys, that's a period we were talking about. By 1998 and then well into the 2000s, their big events were generally getting at least half a million. Their largest one, again, for a long time, WrestleMania X7 in April of 2001, over a million pay-per-view buys. Yeah, and so 2001, if you don't know anything about wrestling, that's considered like the peak of their second boom. Yes, the peak of their late 90s boom. Of their late 90s boom. It's like that's kind of considered like historically for a lot of wrestling fans, it's like the last big event in that era. In that era, yeah. Yeah. It absolutely is. Uh, Their last WrestleMania that was exclusively on pay-per-view was 2013, and that broke X7's record. With 1.3 million people purchasing wow. it. Yes. Incredible. They themselves phased out of pay-per-view in 2014 by launching their own network. And now they have, here in the U.S., they're on Peacock. And we don't we can end their story here. Yeah? Good. I just wanted to, to briefly mention here, I know we've kind of glossed over some of the boxing stuff. Yeah. And I apologize to all the boxing fans out there. I did want to make a special mention, though. Mike Tyson was a huge pay-per-view draw, not only from the mid and late 80s, also in the 90s, after his comeback, the first Holyfield fight, obviously the uh, the bite fight, Tyson-Holyfield 2. What happened here? He got bit, I think. He's got a bloody right ear. Holyfield bit by a dirty Mike Tyson. Huge stuff. And boxing was a huge draw on pay-per-view, mm-hmm. right? Especially when it had a fighter like Tyson or others, obviously. Mayweather versus McGregor, Saturday, August 26th at 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific, live on pay-per-view. And I just wanted to be clear about that. You know, in fact, as far as boxing is concerned, you know, the uh, the Mayweather-Pacquiao uh, fight from 2015. Yeah. This is after WWE is like, you know, the somewhat forgone pay-per-view. Mayweather-Pacquiao is the highest uh, that I know of uh, boxing buys. Four and a half, over four and a half million Mayweather Pacquiao, May 2nd, live on pay-per-view. Really, wrestling and boxing, they both contributed to pay-per-view, even though people might not realize it, but they really did make pay-per-view what it was. Boxing and wrestling, and then again, UFC. They were kind of like the anchors of pay-per-view. They really were. uh, And the regular programming of pay-per-view was movies. Yeah, like they were like the day to day was the movies. These were the big money makers because the movies were you know a few bucks, you know three, four, five bucks. These events, whether it was boxing or wrestling, and even in, in the eighties, the wrestling events were twenty, twenty five bucks. Eventually thirty, thirty five, forty, fifty. Boxing sometimes you know sixty, seventy dollars yeah. for one fight, and they were one time only. Like the, again, yeah. the movies you could order. Say you want to see the movie again, you could just do that. You could just do it again. Like they had an encore day for the pay per views. <laughs> like you could only order it. Yeah, one more. Time. One more time on this day, it was usually like Tuesday or something, <laughs> yeah, right? It's it like, it's yeah, <laughs> Sunday was first and then Tuesday, yeah, yeah. Uh, and we have mentioned USC, so they started uh, in 1993 Ultimate Fighting Championship, uh, mixed martial arts, and they still slowly but surely picked up steam throughout the 90s. They have an interesting history because they, they went through like a period of like, but they were banned or something because yeah. it was like too real or whatever, it, and a lot of changes. And those of you that are UFC fans can obviously better articulate this than we can. Yeah. But in broad strokes, yeah, they went through a lot of changes. They went through weird periods, uh, but they were popular in their own niche. Mostly in the 90s, it was their growing period. Yeah. Their period where they 
they did get banned in certain parts of the country because it was considered too violent. Even though, you know, we, we watched a sport where people punch each other in the face and it's a legitimate sport Talk for like hockey? over a hundred years. Hockey. Boxing. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm just saying, it's just kind of funny that they had to like go through that or whatever. Yeah. Considering. Uh, I know. I understand yeah. your, your yeah. point. Uh, what are you talking about, Quinn? Uh, goodbye. But by the mid 2000s, uh, especially with their their FX show, they had a show on FX, right? The Ultimate Fighter reality show. Yeah. So they did a that lot helped. of rebuilding of their image. Yeah. And in, in the end, what it helped was their pay per view, right? Because yes. their pay per view ended up becoming really, really successful. It's like it's it's actually an interesting success story, like post the wrestling being the thing. Yeah. Right. They really took the mantle of the kings of pay per view from the wrestling. Right. Uh UFC two twenty nine in two thousand eighteen was their highest uh, event as of press time. Two point four million buys. Yes. That's a million more than WWF WWE WF at the time ever had. Right. And I think in a sense because they are a, a real sport technically they always had the potential to rise above the WWE. Yeah. Right? I think they have a broader appeal. I still think it's a narrower appeal than baseball yeah, <laughs> or, or football. Yeah, even hockey. Maybe. Or, I don't know about that. Yeah. <laughs> maybe lacrosse. Yeah. Uh, no, but in all seriousness, <laughs> yeah, a legitimate sport. And they made celebrities out of their, their people. And Dana White, you know, yeah. is the Vince McMahon the, of UFC in a lot of ways. Right. The problem with the boxing, I, I, like I said, the problem with boxing being the king of pay-per-view was its inconsistency. And just like the... I, I know boxing fans are always mad when I say this, but the absolute disorganization of boxing is to me a, a huge detriment to it's like well you just mean the various titles and promotions and nobody things knows like that. who the fuck is anybody well, like the boxing fans I mean, you mean it's hard for the casual fan to right follow. it's hard, whereas UFC they're on every month you know they, they have some heroes essentially yeah. some some good stories some villains right yeah <laughs> they and, do and, and, and but it, but it's real so yeah. it's like you don't know who's gonna win right right wrestling is not real as far as I know. What's the mafia? Oh, yeah. uh, but <laughs> anyway, a lot of these UFC events before and after this UFC 229 in, in 2018 have done well over a million buys as well. Like, right. They're very successful on pay-per-view they, to this day. Yeah. And, and to me, I think UFC has entered the rarefied era of like, like the, the big four sports leagues. Like it, it's, it's finally gotten there now. I would say so. I, I, and that all came from pay-per-view, which is kind of interesting. And that's an interesting trail to follow back because you go, UFC kind of followed WWE's model. Sort of. In I mean, a way, they did, Quinn. I mean, you're right because... Gearing me, everything the, the towards fir- a big... I will say, the first UFC events are like the fucking circus or some shit. Like, well, they're, yeah, they're, that's they're, a whole different thing. It's like WMAC Masters, but real. Like, it's very strange. You know what I mean? Like where it's like we got jujitsu champion and wrestling champion. Yeah, that's and, and true. Like, all these like weird like it sumo was like, champion. It was like playing the fighting game on Super Nintendo and not a good one. Yeah, like was, a shitty Street like, Fighter clone. But what if it was real? Right. Like, so that was the that, that, that was the proposition. That was the proposition. It was like, and they call it even its name. It's the Ultimate Fighting Championship. Ultimate. Like it's like this one time like <laughs> this big fucking thing that we're, finally we're gonna decide like which fighting style is the best that was it though remember which discipline is the best i mean other pay-per-view company i mean other mma companies use the pay-per-view model as well do do all of them owe a debt of gratitude to boxing or wrestling all the mma companies oh yeah i mean definitely definitely boxing and wrestling they're definitely like the forebearers to this you know what became yeah 
you know. Because those are the main things in terms of big high price tag events that are on pay-per-view to this day. Uh, I mean, like Woodstock 94 and 99, they were on pay-per-view. They don't have like concerts and things yeah, too. Yeah, I, I do remember that. That's a good point there is that there was like Springsteen concerts right. or whatever. Like those were definitely another big component. Yeah. But nobody really like talked about them or anything. Right. It was just one of those things like, wow, somebody ordered that. Some Grateful Dead like special. Like a reunion or <laughs> yeah, some kind. Like, with, like, without Jerry Garcia. Like the only, the only like, concert, you're, you're right, the only concerts on paper I ever remember getting like traction in the mainstream was Woodstock. Woodstock. Right? Yeah. yeah. Pay-per-view takes you on stage and backstage live August 13th and 14th. Be a part of history. Order Woodstock 94 on pay-per-view. And what happened in the uh, the early and mid two thousands, Quinn? We got to talk about the innovation of digital cable, yes, uh, and the, the change a, to the cable boxes. So the digital cable, right? I I forget what year was this. Like it was like the late nineties when late, I first started to see it pop up. Like on on cable, 90s. they were like, "It's here, digital cable," and I was like, "What the fuck does that mean?" Like I was like, "It's TV. <laughs> Who gives a shit?" I right? Think, I, I think my brother got it in ninety eight or something like that. Yeah. So I was very at first. I'm I'm being very serious. I was like legitimately confused why it was different. Right. Right. Like I don't like what's different about this, right? Because <laughs> they would like show it. Like I would see that some people had the box or whatever. I'm like, yeah. this just looks like fucking TV. It just looks like cable. Like and it just but it has like menus or something yes. like experience comcast digital cable over 200 channels of fantastic programming up to 45 premium channels hbo cinemax showtime the movie channel encore and stars plus an interactive program guide 45 channels of cd quality music and more comcast in demand the most overt innovation of it was that like when you changed the channel, it would like say what was on or yes. whatever, and it showed like a little logo of the the thing, yes, of the that, channel of the or thing. whatever, <laughs> yeah, the channel, right? Here's the thing, right? They would advertise it that like you get the guide. The guide is always available, yeah, right? On screen guide. So you would pull up the guide, and it would be like you went to the preview channel, yeah. But the channel you were watching was in the little yes tiny box, right? Yes. And so this. On its own, without the pay-per-view component, right? This is like, this is pretty fucking cool. Were you like, right? where do I sign up? Right. Like, this is cool. And you could like click on the one and it would change to it and stuff. Yes. High tech. That's really cool, right? Neat. But as you would scroll down, you would see the pay-per-view channels, which you knew were there, right? Sure. Because they were like on regular cable. But now you could click on them and you could just order it. No more calling up Fred at the cable company and be like, can you, um, I, I want it. Can you turn it on or whatever? What's your phone number? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. One. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's interesting. What's your billing code or whatever? <laughs> What's your foreign digit? Uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, I am not going to lie. I had Comcast. I remember ordering these big teal and purple menus and <laughs> yes, shit. Yeah, like big cokey shit. I ordered SummerSlam 2000 for my 15th birthday. And then I ordered WrestleMania X7. Because I really wanted to see it. I absolutely ordered X7 on my cable box. Yeah, that, so did that, I. We had it by then. Yeah, we had it by then, too. Both times that I did the on-screen order this, didn't work. Had to call anyway. Really? Both I, times. I never had problems with mine. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, both times. And we want to hear your success stories or lack thereof with the cable boxes because these yeah. were... Let me ask you something about your, your technical difficulties here before you... Yes, Michael, please do. Go on. You're taking the side of the cable companies? No, but, I, no, but I do remember. Tell me if this is a, this a, a weird memory. Okay. When you ordered, did it not have like a phone number or something you could like call like on the confirmation yeah, screen? Yeah, I think it told like, you if like, you had it's to. like if, if it's if it fucks up or something. Yeah, it like, did. Like you just call this number. You had to call the number. Yeah, it was very annoying. The way this worked, folks, with these new boxes 
Which mine were silver. Was yours silver? I had a mm-hmm. big silver one. And now it wasn't a red number. It was like an orange number yes, or something. Yes, it was, it was very high tech or yeah. green maybe. I can't remember. Right? Oh, yeah. Some green. of them were green. Some Maybe they converted later to the... I don't remember like the order <laughs> of the colors of the numbers. Some of them had a modem in them. That's one of the things. That's true. That was a new... Uh, that was high I tech. opened up mine once. It absolutely had a modem in it. But you didn't really need it if you were part of the cable company because okay, they ran fair. the internet. So. Fair enough. This was different because it was a two-way box, meaning right. that not only could the cable company send a descramble signal to your box, but you could talk to the cable company and order a pay-per-view. Never, you, yeah, and by talking, we mean you don't even have to talk. You yeah. can just hit a button. Yeah, the box will talk to the cable company. Right. Hi, I'm a box. Stop. One of the things that came about, though, of all this tech, this hot, sweet, new tech, Quinn, was on-demand. Right. So, remember how we mentioned how the movies, you know, like you could order the movies, right? And that was kind of their day-to-day business, right? The problem with it was that, like, nobody really would because why am I going to fucking call a number? I can just, like, go to the movie theater, whatever. Like, this is dumb, right? Plus, it has to, you have to order it when it's playing. Right. That, too. So, it's, like, kind of cumbersome, right? But what if, first of all, what if you could... You don't even have to call them, right? That's like a huge barrier, right? As long there. as the tech works. Right? It's like, yeah, but most of the time, you In didn't. theory, you don't. I, the majority of the time that I order pay-per-view, there was never an issue. Well, it must be nice living where you lived. Right. With your fancy I Comcast. I lived in like the same town. I had a different Comcast. <laughs> what are it we was talking about? different. You had that Channel 55 in Long Island and you could watch the shotgun and I never got that. That was at my dad's house. That was different. Oh, he, well, he had Comcast though, or Cablevision of somewhere, right? Yeah, I think he had Comcast, but like in another town. Still a different Comcast. But for some reason, we had both Philly and like, Yeah, see, I had that in my different house, yeah. yeah. Anyway, anyway, so- that's the first barrier gone right there, right? No it's talking like, to people. No talking to people. It's you just hit a button, it works. They just try they put on your bill at the end of the month, whatever. <laughs> like it's just so easy, right? Yes. The ease of use is like a huge component here. I can't imagine that they didn't like increase movie sales like immediately, right? How could you not when you're doing it from their couch with no pants on? Right. Exactly. Right. There's Important. that. But on top of it No pants. Um, like you said, there was no, like, you don't have to, like, time it or, like, wait for it to come on. Correct. Yeah, that's a whatever. big thing. But then. <laughs> yes. And I don't know if this came with the later boxes or not, but I remember pretty immediately you could, like, pause the movie and yeah, stuff. Yeah, that was early. It was amazing. That was a game changer, man. I was like, holy, wait the, wait a sec. This is like a DVD or a, or a VHS tape? Yeah. Like, this is incredible. It got to the point where I remember, like, People did not buy movies as much anymore because I could just get it on demand. And and, like I could pause, I could do all the things, right? And they would usually let you have it for like 48 hours. So if like, I don't know, if like some emergency happened and you had to like walk away, you could just like pause where you were and go do it and watch it later. I guess it's not that big of an emergency if you're coming back to watch the movie, right? Well, I just mean it's like, I, or you had to like, had pasta I don't know, on the stove or like somebody, somebody's car broke down, that kind of oh, emergency. Oh, like you're going you gotta, to help. You're you going to be a friend. To, yeah, go pick somebody up. Jumper or, cables. Yeah, or something like that. Airport run. Or just an emergency like you had to take a shit. Like that's another emergency. Crude. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> we, we know what we're talking about. So, but again, this was a boon. Oh, it's to, boon. To, like suddenly what was fascinating about this is like people that were anti-cable that I knew, they suddenly were like... talking about your dad? No. No, I'm not even. (laughs) I'm just talking about people why I knew didn't have cable. Oh, but they were anti-specifically? Like, I will never? They just... Their families were just not for it or whatever. you don't mean like the other 13-year-olds you knew. Yeah. You meant like their their parents. Yeah, their parents or whatever. Like, suddenly everyone had this crap because the movie thing. 
that could equate to like a normal person who's not into all of like watching UFC or whatever, right? <laughs> Hot world of wrestling. Right. Yeah. Like this was like, wait a sec. I don't have to go to the rental store. Right. Like I just hit a button and it's here. And I can watch it whenever I want. It's huge. And if you have to take an emergency airport run, right. you can pause it. I would say that this innovation is so important that it's like what streaming became, but it's like based yes. off this specifically. It is the weird bridge between pay per view. Right. One time event. You're going to watch it when the hell it's on and streaming. Because you're still paying for it, for your view of it, right? Like right. it's not technically pay per view, but you're still paying yeah. to watch a thing. But you have the flexibility now to stop it, to resume it, you know? Right. It's time for movies on demand, like having a theater at your command. Hundreds of flicks from A to Z. With Comcast, see them totally free. And streaming obviously took that baton and ran with it into a whole different end zone. Right. Another football stadium. But streaming, in a sense, is really based off pay-per-view. Like, or what they were doing with, like, on-demand pay-per-view. Yeah, it's the same soup. Yeah. Isn't it? I mean, it really is. It's just, it takes it out of the hands of the cable company. Like, now... Good. Like, you do need a subscription, but you could also... For example, like, iTunes came along in the Apple TV, which was, like... Well, what if you didn't need a subscription to get on demand? What if you could just like either rent or buy the movies or whatever? That was one of the the huge things that changed in the last decade or two, right? right. Was Apple with the the iTunes store, right? And other rental um, stores came along. It wasn't just Apple, but the, basically the idea of like we can stream it to you for like forty eight hours, just like on demand. Yeah, but you don't need to have like a subscription or anything. You just could have a PC or or just even like an Apple t- like one of those. Roku's smart or an TV Apple TV box, box or smart yeah. TV. You could even stream the movie 48 hours for 48 hours. But I want to stress that Nick the, Nolte. That concept, Eddie Joe, Murphy. Yes, go ahead. That concept is based on what on demand was doing. Exactly. Right? It's like it's just that, but even like let's take another barrier out of the way. Right? Yeah, exactly right. And on demand was kind of a detour from what pay per view was because of the financial part of it and the, right. the selection of things. And that's why it's interesting because pay per view hasn't declined tremendously. Just to be clear, it's not. Cable in general has declined, right? So it's all like a scalable decline, right? Right. But pay-per-view, cable pay-per-view, it still does very respectable numbers for Mm -hmm. UFC, for the big boxing events, because it fills that need of people willing to pay for something big that they want to see. Right. Even pay-per-view has evolved to, in a sense, right? Because you could call what Apple's doing or what, you know... I don't know if Roku, does it have like a version of like you can rent the movies like just through Roku? Natively, I'm trying to think. We never do. I have a but Roku there's like TV. A, but there's got to be like a service that you can use. They on might there. be in bed with like one of the apps or something. I Whatever. can't remember. So you can, you can rent movies and stuff you through do there. You Amazon. Right? That's still pay-per-view, right? But yes. even, for example, UFC, they've even worked it so that if you don't have cable and you have like a box or whatever, yep. like a, like an, like a, internet t- style an internet like, box right an series internet of style tubes, entertainment like. box right um <laughs> not through cable is all i'm trying to say right did you say internet style entertainment box internet style entertainment box that's what they should call them because that, that's the difference it's not through cable it's through the internet let me write that one down anyway internet style internet. you can even like there's i know the moon 
I know you can use like the ESPN app and rent UFC. You can't. Like, oh, they do it through them. Yeah, there's like all there's these ways like, to do. There's it. like all these alternate. Well, it's still technically pay per view. It's just through. It's through internet. The actual means is different. It's through the internet rather than through the coaxial cable network of your cable company. Exactly. The delivery method is different, but it's right, still but it's, the same it's principle. It's literally the same concept. Yeah. So pay per view almost will never really die. That was my point. Right. Normally we talk about obsolete things. This isn't obsolete as a concept. Because here's the thing, yeah, is that I think through all of this, talking about this, what you realize is pay-per-view is not really a technology as much as it's a concept. It's yeah. like it's like a type of buying entertainment. It's a concept, exactly yeah. right. And it can exist in various permutations. Right. Like, they use pay-per-view now to say that, like, oh, that's the old style through the cable company. Right. But essentially, like, you know, when I rent a movie on iTunes or whatever... It's the same damn thing. Exactly. Right? It's like I'm literally like paying the same price, like it's like four ninety nine or whatever it is. To like, rent it. Yeah, you do it through Amazon. Yeah. Too. Like you like that's what I'm saying YouTube. is YouTube. Yeah. That's what I'm saying is like pay per view is still it's gonna be around forever as long as there's like video. And that was my initial thesis, if you will, is that it became an accepted part or an accepted option of consuming media. You have your television whether that's through an internet entertainment style box or whatever internet style I don't know, entertainment like, box I'm just saying the te- the delivery methods through the internet rather right. than the the cable or maybe you still watch good old fashioned cable TV you have that that's your free quote unquote even though you're paying for it. but you know you just flip through it at will right right then you have your movie rental aspects which you can do again if you have cable still through pay per view or you do through Amazon or iTunes or YouTube right and then the big event the big ticket specials right. Again, it could be done through cable. It could be done through the internet. But like you said, it's a concept. And that concept is really has nothing to do with the technology. Right. It has to do with entertainment and commerce. It's literal like that, com- it's like a economic thing. Those are commodities. Yeah. You know, these, it, these pay-per-view events are commodities. Right. And, and it, so that's why it's one of these rare things. A lot of the stuff we talk about in here is like dead or whatever. Yeah, but this like, is not. Pay-per-view hasn't died. It just kind of moved to like a different thing. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? That's and it's kind of it's spread it. between two different things still. I mean, who knows? People could be listening to this in 10 years and nobody has cable anymore because why would you pay for that yeah, when maybe, you can just a la carte like get what you want? But, whatever you want. Yeah, that that might very well be the case. But it's pay-per-view has already migrated since the beginning of these more internet style things. That's a good like, point. It's already like was there. Yeah, it just know? rolls with it because like you said, it's a concept. Yeah. It could easily be adapted yeah. to fit into it. It already has been. It already has been. Yeah. Uh, and one last thing to touch on here because I didn't want anyone to think that we forgot. If you had a black box or a hot box, you got to watch all this stuff for free. Right. So Those were illegal, Quinn. So I guess we'll put this in the et cetera section of this like, <laughs> glossary or whatever. But the hot box, right? So the hot box, just on, on an aside here, I mean, this was, I mean, hell, they even made that movie The Cable Guy and like- Yeah, like, Jim Carrey's in it. Yeah, but like- Matthew Broderick. Basically, like, this is the seedy underbelly of the cable company where somebody knew somebody- Mob Bell? I never knew. Was it ever explained how these got about? Was this mafia related? Like, what, what like, is that? But you know what I mean? Like, where did you get a hot box? From? I don't know. I didn't have one. Did you? <laughs> I didn't either. See? But, like, I would go Hard to, to find. But I, I knew plenty of people that had one. So obviously it was like 
accessible. Pulling in the parking lots late at night. Or maybe it was something you just... It's something that you vaguely... Went, I got it from the city. And like that was like what people would say to you. Well, I, th- right? I, seem, like, I, seem, <laughs> I seem to recall in these lowbrow periodicals, there might be ads for them in oh, some yeah. roundabout language and you can mail away for one. Or There's that too. Maybe... Uh, maybe God, the, so many times in my life, it was, we got it from the city. The like, city. Like, Is that implying New York City or here but i'm sure in different parts of the country it's implying like chicago city yeah chicago or tallahassee yeah whatever the biggest city in in your area is (laughs) if it's davenport i apologize yeah greg armstrong uh but anyway yeah yeah the black boxes the hot boxes my friend had one and uh very useful if you didn't want to convince your parents to pay thirty dollars for wrestling as a as a professional wrestling fan now do you mean that you are professionally a fan no i i watched it I oh, like you watch professional wrestling. I watched You're it. an amateur professional wrestling um, This fan. was like... Padding the show. This was the thing yes. that I wanted so bad what? growing up was oh, the hot box. box. But oh, you didn't my. go to the city. My parents didn't get it from the city or wherever. A very suburban upbringing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Very safe suburban Oh, it up. didn't matter if you lived in the suburbs. You could still get stuff from the city. From the city. Yeah. Yeah, and many of you probably did. We want to hear your stories of getting your black box <laughs> yeah, from just, the city. Get, jump in the car. <laughs> Go about half an hour and yeah, go yeah. in the city. See a man with a watch, you yeah. know, and a trench coat, maybe. <laughs> yeah, and perhaps. a cable box. And a cable box in tow. Yeah. Uh, pay-per-view is here to stay in some way, shape, or form, because guess what? If a company can make money on a big event, they're going to charge for it, and mm-hmm. people will buy it. And it does carry a level of that premium aspect, you know, prestige, you know. Maybe you want to spend $85 on a UFC event or whatever it is. I don't know what they are, but hey, there's people that are going to do it. Mm-hmm. And you can watch it from the comfort of your own toilet on a phone these days. Yeah. Whatever works for you. But it's here to stay. And it's amazing that it's been around for as long as it has. You know, wild. That's even like 1948 with Joe Lewis and Jersey Joe Walcott. I mean, that's pretty crazy, man. Pay-per-view, it almost seemingly was a concept that you know, like a as uh, like a salesman was just waiting to happen. Like, like it's like, but what if we could just get the movies in their house yeah. and they didn't even have to come here and they could just hand us money, and like we'll just charge them, for hand it. us money from their <laughs> living room. Yeah, like, you know what I mean. Hand us money from their living room through their frigging cable box. Yeah, and that's what happened. Because what did you say? It was commerce. Yeah, it almost is like inevitable once the technology came along, yeah. right? It's like once they're like, wow, you could just watch movies from your house. Yeah, like to me, that's almost. If I was probably living back in the day when TV first came along, Joe, I would think that that would be the end game for television. Watch was movies like, in your house, like if you if yeah. they could pull that off, right? Because that 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 that's the only comparable form of media i have to television yep. but movies were considered like oh they're too premium to be in your home That's they have to be watched stream. in a theater right. you know and there has to be an usher and all this right no it's like what if i could just sit on my couch and watch um some the ch- money pit chitty chitty bang bang i don't know what just any why movie. that i just i, I couldn't this is the only it's old movie i could good. think of whatever poor movie anyway it's whatever uh <laughs> Well, that's true. And you can sit on your couch or your chair or a floor in a building of some kind, mm-hmm. and you can watch uh, things that you can pay for. And that is what happens. That's right. called that's called commerce, as commerce. Quinn said. So that's all. 
<laughs> that's, that's it. That's the history of pay-per-view. We hope you guys liked it. We really do. And we certainly do appreciate you being with us here. Be sure order to share our special on pay-per-view. <laughs> yeah, be sure to order our special on pay-per-view and sign up for free on Twitter at AWM Podcast and join our Facebook group and let us know your pay-per-view scramble stories, de-scrambling perhaps if it will, <laughs> or maybe trying to see a nipple. Whatever the case may be, <laughs> let us know those things. Uh, we didn't even go there. Well, live, yeah, we, we don't need to go there. This is very <laughs> the high. other pay-per-view. <laughs> this is a very high Eyebrow show. Uh, one way or another, we will be back next week for something lucky you. Completely different until that time. Thank you so much for being with us here and be sure to listen to Alyssa and leave us a review. Other than that, we'll see you next week for more Acid Washed Memories. See ya. Like what you heard? Be sure to leave a review and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We will see you next week. Yeah.